When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, Birdlands. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening. Let's talk some Orioles. It's May the 8th, 2023. The Orioles are now 22-12 and 12 on the season after losing Sunday's game, a 12th inning walk-off to the Atlanta Braves by a 3-2 score. Felix Bautista allowed the tying run to score in the 10th inning, which, keep in mind, was the Manfred man who started on second base automatically. Still hate that rule, even though occasionally it benefits the Orioles. And CNL Perez allowed a walk-off hit in the 12th inning. Orioles batters were 1-for-14 with runners in scoring position in the game. I think that's ultimately the biggest story about why the team lost, even though the you can point at individual decisions that were made that were poor, either whatever, if you want to uh, don't like that the Orioles decided to intentionally walk Marcelo Zuna, a right-handed batter, in the 12th inning so that CNL Perez could pitch to Michael Harris the second in the 12th, who ultimately hit the walk-off, or, you know, whatever. Uh, I was kind of annoyed when Austin Hayes tried to tag up from second to third on a fly ball to right field in one of the extra innings, and then Acuna Jr. just absolutely hosed him. So that's a guy who, of course, comes with a reputation for great defense. So, you know, why did Hayes decide to challenge that guy? I don't know, but... The way that that inning played out, or really the whole game, I guess it probably didn't matter if Hayes would have gotten to third base or still been on second or whatever. But you know, it's it's annoying. That's the thing. Every whenever every game is close for these Orioles so far this year, for the most part, and so every one that ends up in the loss column, there's something annoying 
and dumb, probably, that you can point to, or probably several things, because every game that you lose, there's a lot of reasons why. And it's it's frustrating, but uh, so the, the, the Braves series marks the end of the seven straight uh, winning series streak for the Orioles. Unfortunate, but, you know, it's good that they won seven series in a row. And I guess the question will be, how do they pick themselves back up and go on from here? As I have said ad nauseum on this show, the next now 19 games are against pretty tough teams. And so the test is going to be to see what the Orioles can do against those guys. If you want to take some silver lining out of the Atlanta series, I think you can say, well, you know what? The Orioles were maybe a question mark because of their kind of soft April schedule. And there's no question that they really hung tough with Atlanta over that three-game series. The Orioles, in fact, outscored the Braves in the series. And the Braves, although they won two out of three, the two games that they won, that was by one run each time. So um, the, the Braves, they've got a great offense. They've got a great pitching staff. So I think it's good for the Orioles that their offense was able to just bomb Max Freed, who is pitching like a Cy Young contender and probably is going to continue to go on to be a Cy Young contender. He had a sub 0.5 ERA before facing the Orioles on Friday night. So that's pretty good. And they had some decent performances against the other Braves starters, who's also done very well, Spencer Strider and Brace Elder on Sunday. And so I think that portends well to the Orioles being able to do that kind of thing going forward. But still, they did lose two out of three, and there's no rest in sight here because the next series coming up is against the Rays, who are beating pretty much everybody. Uh, of course, they have lost some games, but they are they still are in single digits for the number of losses they have on the season. So that's... You know, we're going to find out even more about what the Orioles are made of, I guess, when they come up and face the Rays. And right out of the gate, they're going to put their 11-0 record in series openers to the test against Baltimore product Shane McClanahan. And they'll also be facing Zach Eflin in the series. Both of those guys are doing great so far this year. So, you know, it's it's uh, the Orioles have... They didn't exactly fail the first test against a great team, but they didn't pass it with flying colors either. And now here comes another test. It's the Rays. And right after that comes another test, the Pirates. And that's just what it's going to be in 2023. Everything is going to be a test of how well the Orioles can keep holding it together until maybe things are stable enough where we feel like, okay, it's, it's held together. And we're not quite there yet. But... Until then, you know, it's going to be chaos and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, we, we just don't know what's going to happen. And sometimes that's fun and sometimes it's terrifying and hopefully it will end up being more fun than terrifying. I'm going to dip into the mailbag from listener Joel. Joel, thank you for writing in again. So Joel was writing in about bullpen management, which of course is on all of our minds after some reliever use uh, was maybe a little questionable in Saturday's loss, namely that 
Yenier Cano was not used in the game. So anyway, Joel's question is that the bullpen, after feeling so solid in April, feels like it's fraying a bit with Felix and Cano being unavailable more often and the middle relievers not living up to the level needed with such a weak rotation. Apart from Tate and Givens hopefully providing an upgrade, how does Hyde manage the load? So, Joel, I think that the way Hyde is managing the load is probably going to look like that Saturday game. And, you know, there was no Yanir Cano in that game because he had pitched two innings in the Thursday game. So I think that the Orioles wanted to and did give him both Friday and Saturday off. And keeping that in mind, Cano also pitched when went to pitch two game, two innings in the Sunday game. And so maybe we won't see him in the first two games of the Rays series either. The Orioles have been very reluctant, if at all, to end up using Felix Bautista three days in a row, which, you know, I guess that's reasonable. And so the the way that's going to look like is managing the load by leaning on middle innings guys, especially if the Orioles are losing. But even in, you know, trying to protect a one run lead in the eighth inning on days where they don't want to use Cano in the eighth or they don't want to use Bautista before the ninth. And sometimes it's maybe not going to work out. And Saturday it didn't work out because Danny Colom uh, gave up the home run to pinch hitter Kevin Millar, who I didn't even know was on the freaking Braves. I'm tired of that guy. He's been destroying the Orioles for what feels like forever. Uh, but that's the way it goes. And so, you know, the, the way I look at it is that Cano, if he pitches two innings every three games – that's a 108-inning pace for the season, which that's a lot, considering that there were only four MLB relievers who topped 75 innings pitched last season. Four. And so right now, the Orioles having played 34 games, that's 21% of their season. So if you want to talk about what you're on pace for, um, and this is true for any anybody on the team, not just reliever innings, obviously, take their current whatever and multiply that by 4.8. Roughly. It's not exact, but it's pretty darn close. And so if you multiply the number of innings pitched by a reliever by 4.8, right now the Orioles have five relievers who are on pace to exceed 75 innings pitched over a full season. And that list of guys is Mike Bauman, Austin Voth, Brian Baker, Yenier Cano, and Felix Bautista. It's not going to last. I don't think that the Orioles are going to have five relievers throw more than 75 innings. So there's going to be either uh, starting pitchers are going to stabilize a little bit more or the bullpen stays weird and good things more or less keep happening. And the other option, I guess, is it stays weird and bad things increasingly happen because the Orioles can't lean on Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista in every game and also, Felix Bautista is kind of shaky anyway. I know he won the April uh, American League Reliever of the Month award. I don't really know why. He's just putting too many guys on base to be comfortable with how he's pitching so far this season. And it's, it's a lot of uh, non-competitive pitches. And, you know, we saw one of those on... Sunday afternoon when he spiked the pitch in dirt and Adley Rutschman was not able to corral it. It took kind of a bad bounce. Uh, and then I think it bounced off either his knee or his arm before he could 
bounce it off his chest protector. And so it got too far away. The tying run scrambled home and the game went on. The Orioles ultimately lost. And, you know, that's another Bautista is having problems with command. He's he came into the Sunday game having issued nine walks out of 64 batters faced so far this year, which it's not it's not the percentage you want for your shutdown closer to be having. Uh, and that was a 5.5 walks per nine innings. You're, even though he's striking out as many guys as he is, if he's got so many command problems and he's already thrown four wild pitches, like it's it's going to result in issues, especially in extra innings where there's already a guy starting out on second base every time, the Manfred man, the zombie runner, whatever you want to call it. So I, I guess for me, the, the real key is going to be the starting pitchers. I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of unsatisfying to be like, well, what's the trick to managing the bullpen? It's probably managing the starting pitchers because Orioles starters thus far are averaging just about five innings pitch per game started, which is in the bottom third of the league. They're going to probably be trying to do stuff like push an extra inning out of Kyle Gibson when they can, which they did on the May the 3rd game where Gibson ended up allowing four runs in the seventh inning when he'd already gone six and they tried to push him one more inning. And they were supposed to have Cole Irvin going at least six innings every start, more or less. And Irvin was so bad over his first three starts, he got banished to Norfolk. We haven't seen him back yet. So, you know, I I feel like that's what it's really going to come down to is can the starters at least reliably get outs in the sixth inning. And if they can do that most of the time, I think that the bullpen will be able to stabilize. And if they can't, it's it's going to keep being crazy. So I guess we'll see what happens. Michael Givens and Dylan Tate seem to be coming soon. I'm recording this a little bit earlier on Sunday evening. So I hope that if there's a roster move, you will forgive me for not being able to talk about it exactly. I assume that Brian Baker, Yenier Cano, and Felix Bautista are all safe. So if they're safe, plus the guys who are out of options are removed from the pool, Mike Bauman and Keegan Aiken are the only guys who can be optioned. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. Maybe they'll decide to designate someone for assignment. That uh, could be CNL Perez, who is a whip over two so far this year. Not, not, not very good for any reliever to have that in as uh, early May starts ticking towards mid-May. Austin Voth, he's stabilized a bit after giving up home runs in each of his first five outings. So, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the bullpen. I, uh, I hope they can keep, on the, for the most part, pitching well, and they can keep being part of the Orioles continuing to have a success story in the 2023 season. So yeah, Joel, thank you for writing in. Anyone else, if you would like to email me a topic or question, you can write to camdencastpod at gmail.com and I will read your email on the show. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, so let's move on to the prospects of the day. And remember, this is from my composite top 20 Orioles prospects ranking that is posted on CamdenChat.com if you want to spoil yourself. I took five publications, prospect rankings, averaged them all together. That's the composite. So today we get to number 13, outfield prospect Judd Fabian. He ranked as high as number 12 on one of those five lists and as low as number 17. Overall, he came out at number 13 on the list. So Fabian, the Orioles got him in the 2022 draft in the round B competitive balance round. He was actually the fourth player picked by the Orioles in the draft last year. And reportedly, they wanted to try to draft him with their second round pick that they ended up using on Connor Norby the year before that. But the Red Sox picked Fabian one pick before the Orioles were able to draft. And so they ended up getting Norby, and then they got the Orioles got their guy one year later after all. Uh, Judd Fabian, his draft stock had fallen just a little bit because he didn't have the same leverage to demand a higher bonus as he did. That's kind of the way the draft works. If you get drafted as a junior and you don't sign, then you come back and you're a senior and your only option is to sign or you don't get to play baseball anymore. So you can't demand as high of a bonus. Um so Fabian, he did have his fans, uh, as as all of the players tend to do among the prospect rankers before the draft. The Athletics' Keith Law actually had him at number 47 on his prospect ranking, which, you know, that's about where the Orioles wanted to draft him the year before, although he he's a player who has stuff going for him and a player who has some flaws. As Law said, quote, In 2021, Fabian struggled badly on fastballs up and sliders down and away. He's laying off more of those sliders now, although the vulnerabilities are still there, end quote. And Law noted that Fabian only batted two thirty nine as a uh, in his college action in the 2022 season before being drafted. And that's really low for someone to be a top draft prospect, to have that low of an average, even if he walks a lot. So that's kind of what dinged Fabian. 
although Law does think that Fabian has the potential for plus defense in center, and he's also got plus power, which is probably why the Orioles were interested in him. It seems like they really like players who have the potential to hit the ball really hard, and the Orioles hope that they can get them to hit the ball at all as part of the player development uh, process. And so, you know, it hasn't been terribly long since he's been drafted. So the assessment of his amateur and his pro performance, pretty much the same. Fangraphs, which had him number 13 in the Orioles system, had more or less the same to say as Keith Law. They think that Fabian has the power potential. They think that he's got the potential to also strike out too much to be a productive player, although his ability to play defense in center field does offset that a little bit. So far in the 2023 season, Judd Fabian is batting, and this isn't counting any Sunday action as I'm recording before Aberdeen's game is over with. Uh, The 240 batting average with a 348 on base percentage, 360 slugging percentage, So, you know, that's not the kind of guy where that's exciting performance, where every single game you are stumping and wondering when he's going to get moved up another level, like some of the guys we've talked about so far. Of course, Jackson Holiday is pretty much getting this treatment already, even though he hasn't been at Aberdeen for very long. I'm starting to wonder it about Heston Kerstad at Bowie. A whole slew of guys in the Norfolk Tides lineup are getting that treatment like, okay, when are they going to come up at Major League Baseball? And the, uh, the, the 360 slugging percentage, it's not going to do it for Judd Fabian. He has, uh, heading into that Sunday game, he had a 23.9% strikeout rate, which is, well, the MLB average, so just for Major League Baseball players, the average this year is 22.8%. So Fabian striking out a little bit more than even the average Major League player. It's not like an egregious number, like 30%, which is where you're like, oh, geez, you know, that that really hurts when it's that high. But at the same time, it's only high A, and that's already a lot of strikeouts. And so double A, triple A, Major League, these are all going to be even harder so I think that that's, that's tough for Fabian right now. So keeping that in mind, I would say his future role, well, as Mike Elias always is, uh, is, is prone to say when talking about prospects, the player development process is not linear. It doesn't happen according to a schedule. Sometimes you just get uh, something clicks for a guy and then he zooms forward and upward and that's good. And sometimes you kind of waiting for that thing to happen for a while for some player. So being being fans where, you know, we don't have the kind of access to the professional data that the teams have and the scouts get and whatever, I, I you know, I try I can really only go off of what's in the results so far, which of course you can't just scout the box score. You never know what's going on. That could be weird uh, with player development where maybe a player is being asked to just focus on one particular thing that is in the short term giving them detrimental results. We never know, but I, I feel like from my, my opinion nonetheless is that sooner or later it's going to have to show up in the stats if a player is going to be whatever he's, he's uh, projected to maybe be that's good. And so... You know, the, the results aren't there for Fabian so far this year. That's just not enough power. 
I don't think that's going to cut it for a guy who's maybe going to have power to offset the strikeouts. You know, um, three home runs is all he's got, and he hasn't hit any doubles so far in the 2023 season. So you're going to need to hit the ball a little harder than that. Um, so that's that's that, that has me a little down on Judd Fabian at this exact moment. Of course, I hope that he's able to rebound himself and get back into the conversation. Uh, of course, it's only been about a month of the minor league season, so there is plenty of time for him to turn it around. But keeping in mind, we are getting far down the prospect list, and this is the point where nothing is guaranteed for these players. You know, we've already talked about more than a full batting lineup worth of prospects. And the reality is not all of these guys are going to make it as MLB, you know, successful MLB regulars on the playoff team that we all want the Orioles to be. It's just a numbers game. They, uh, that's, that's not the way prospects work. You know, they don't all make it. And even if the Orioles are the smartest drafting and scouting and developing team right now, even they would not be able to get you know, a 100% success ratio such that two years from now, it's everyone we've talked to on this podcast so far uh, talked about is, is you know, the team. It's, it's not how it's going to work, right? So Fabian right now, not looking like he's going to be one of the ones to punch through, but if, if he turns it around, uh, I will be very happy for him, happy for the Orioles. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be happy to see him in Baltimore someday if he's, if he's living up to that performance. All right, so that's all for today's episode. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on your favorite platform and leaving a rating or review, or tell a friend or family member who's an Orioles fan about the show. New episodes will be out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will see you again on Wednesday, hopefully with at least one Orioles win to talk about between now and then. You can leave a comment on Camden Chat if you want to get a hold of me. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.